You're listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes, a production of the Ephesus School Network. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. The company of the angels was amazed. Hi, this is Father Aaron Warwick with Jason Everett, and you are listening to the Teach Me Thy Statutes podcast, episode number 81. Today's reading is from John chapter 17, verses 18 through 26. At that time, Jesus lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, As you, Father, did send me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be consecrated in truth. I do not pray for these only, but also for those who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory which you have given me I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to behold my glory which you have given me in your love for me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. Father, I've heard numerous verses from today's passage, often quoted in the past, and particularly verses 20 and 21, which I'll read again. It says, I do not pray for these only, but also for those who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And these verses uh, I've heard have been used to support or stress the importance of ecumenism. So I'd ask you, Father, to comment on this. Is this a proper understanding of these verses and this broader passage? Well, Jason, I hate to do this, but uh, my answer is both yes and no. (laughs) Yeah, well, you've done that in the past, and that's fine. Uh, And we can unpack your answer, I think, as we go throughout the episode. So uh, let's begin, uh, and I'll ask you why you say no, first of all, uh, why this passage does not uh, directly support its use with respect to ecumenism. As you know, I always like to answer questions by first looking at the context, and it's very easy for us to say yes or no to questions like the one you asked me, but it takes us more time and leads to a better understanding, at least in my opinion, if we are not so quick to answer but instead discuss various contexts. Yeah, that makes sense. So maybe give us an idea of the context of the passage uh, or of ecumenism and and why you say that today's passage is not directly relevant uh, to ecumenism. Well, for one thing, we have to be very careful with that word ecumenism. It means different things to different people. So to some people, it can mean coming together and noting that we have differences, but still intercommuning nonetheless, meaning that we would commune with Baptists or that Catholics would commune with evangelicals and so forth. And then in probably the more common understanding, I think what you're referring to today is the idea of churches coming together and not communing together, but at least praying together and trying to look at our differences and to resolve them. Yes, yeah, that's, I think that's fair, Father. That's more what I'm referring to, uh, but I would say a little beyond that to the extent that the verses I quoted are used to talk about 
why it's unacceptable that Christians have uh, so many denominations and branches. Yeah, I see what you're saying. And, and obviously the situation we have now uh, in, with these divisions is not ideal. And that's why I said, yes, these verses to an extent do require us to look at these differences and do our best to work through them. But before we talk about the verses themselves and what they mean, I'd like to talk a little about the situation that we're in and why I think it's clear based on that situation that Jesus was not referring to ecumenism. Okay, so how did we get where we are now in this situation with so many different churches, different denominations and, and branches of Christianity, and many of them teaching quite different and sometimes even contradictory things? I think the easiest answer of how we got here is because of human sin, which expresses itself in pride. And the reason I say that is because in the early church, and and I'm talking here about pre-Constantine, you start to see some division. Now, some of that is because people are so certain that their interpretation and understanding of the Christian faith is correct that they decide to cut off communion with those who might disagree. And we could sit here and argue all day about where one has to draw that line, but no matter where you draw it, it's ultimately human sin and pride that gets in the way. Someone feels they have to stress their own supposed authority over and above the rest of the Christian community, and then this leads to division. Right, right. That makes sense. And like you said, uh, there was plenty of division even in, in the early church, and you mentioned specifically that you were talking about pre-Constantine in referring to the early church. So then what about uh, after Constantine? Yeah, so post-Constantine, it becomes even more complex and difficult to solve controversies and splits because now not only do you have human sin and pride involved, but you also have the government becoming involved and even in, in many cases enforcing uh, ecclesiastical decisions, church decisions. And so this makes it much more difficult, and especially when large governments get involved like the Roman Empire, the modern-day Vatican, uh, then there tends to be a push for enforcing uniformity. And so, for example, you see a consolidation in the Roman Empire from multiple different liturgies that were being used in different places to then today in the modern-day Orthodox Church, you know, a few exceptions, but you have predominantly one liturgy that is used worldwide, and there's very little room for local flavor or custom. And obviously, you know, it's not all bad, so I'm not trying to say, you know, this is good or bad. I'm just trying to point out what's actually happening. And I think the final thing then to mention here uh, in that regard is the fact that after Constantine, you start to have, as I alluded to earlier, church law become civil law. And when that happens, it becomes much more complex to be able to reunite after controversies that divide. There is little room for any type of unity within some diversity like there was prior to that. But the broader point I want to make is that Christ, in saying this prayer that John records and that you read, is not speaking directly to these future events. Yeah, he does mention those who would follow after the apostles, of course, but I don't think it's accurate for us to then leap to the conclusion to say that Jesus is talking about national or imperial churches. He's not talking directly about churches that are tied up with civil authorities or who want to implement church doctrine into civil law, and that would be a mistake in my opinion to take this passage in that direction. So let's focus now on what it is that Christ is actually referring to here. So you may remember I mentioned a few episodes ago when you had asked about uh, the doctrine of the Trinity. I mentioned the notion put forward by 
Gregory of Nyssa, noting that God the Father and God the Son could be properly called one in a way that you and I, Jason, cannot, because they, the Father and Son, at all times share one will. And of course, you and I will almost always have a different will. And even if it were aligned most of the time, it's not aligned all of the time. And that's why we could never be considered to be one. We'll always be viewed as being two, but with the Father and the Son always having the same will, the St. Gregory says they could be viewed as one. And so if you look at what Jesus is saying in the passage you read today, then it seems clear that rather than speaking about national churches or divisions that we have today or at other times in history within Christianity, that what Jesus is praying is that just like him, just like Jesus, we would be perfectly united to God's will. And I think we can see that in the final passage from Jesus that you read today, where he says, I made known to them your name, and I will make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in me and I in them. So in other words, Jesus is that bridge, that mediator, as we hear elsewhere in Scripture, that brings us to God. And we are united to God the Father by doing the will of God as taught to us perfectly by Jesus. So that's why my answer to this question, you know, is this passage that you read about ecumenism. You know, my answer is both yes and no. No, it's not directly about ecumenism. To say that, I believe we're putting ourselves and our place in time and history as being at the center of the universe, and that's not at all the context in which Jesus makes this statement. He makes his comment because he desires that we, just like him, would be perfectly united to God's will. But then, on the other hand, I would say that this passage indirectly relates to modern-day ecumenism because, you know, as we discussed, it is the fact that we're not perfectly united to God's will that leads to the divisions that we have to these different denominations and branches. And so it's beneficial for us to have dialogue with others to see if we can find better ways for all of us to more perfectly unite to God's will. I appreciate your explanation, Father, there. Thank you. Anything else of importance uh, that you would like to point out from our reading today? Yeah, I'll be brief. You know, we're running out of time. But I would like to point out that Jesus referred to future believers saying, and I quote, those who believe in me through their word, meaning through the apostles' word. And this reference to through their word connects to earlier in the chapter. We had the reading on Sunday, this past Sunday, before you picked up today's reading, where Jesus says multiple times that he has given his disciples God's word, and that God's word is truth. And I talked about this in my sermon this past Sunday. It's important for us to realize that Jesus ascended into heaven, so he's no longer physically, bodily, materially present here with us, but he is present in the scriptural word, the word of God, the word that was left with us. That same word around which we gather at each divine liturgy, keeping in mind that as we make the entrance, as the bishop actually enters into the holy place, it's made with the book of the Holy Gospels. And so if we wish to do God's will, which as we've just discussed is what Jesus was praying that we would do perfectly, just as he did, then we should realize we find God's will expressed to us in his word, in the Holy Scriptures. And that's why it's important that we should read and seek to understand Holy Scripture. And of course, the entire purpose of our podcast is to try to help people in that endeavor and for that reason to live, to do the will of God in their daily lives. Thank you, Father. 
Today's episode focused on whether our reading from John 17 should be interpreted as referring to ecumenism. Father Aaron explained that these verses should not primarily be understood as a reference to ecumenism, but rather we should recognize that Jesus is praying that we would be perfectly united to God's will. For centuries, Christians have been separated into many different denominations and branches, and we arrived at this place because of our sin, which often expresses itself in pride. And these divisions were present even in the early church prior to Constantine, and they became even more prevalent in the centuries thereafter. But to put ourselves at the center of the universe and interpret that these verses speak to our current situation would take Christ's words far from the context in which he spoke. His comments reflected his desire that we, just like him, would be united to God's will. But because we are not perfectly united to God's will, we find ourselves in the midst of great division. And in this way, we can find benefit by having a dialogue with others to seek out ways for us all to more perfectly align with God's will. Thank you for listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes. We hope you tune in next week for a new episode. Glory to thee, O God, O our